Havila Cunnington, and this is Havila's Podcast. Today, I have a special guest. Not only is he my baby maker and the love of my life, but he also is my business partner and ministry partner and uh, forward Workout thinker. partner. Workout partner, yes. Yep. Yes, in more ways than one. Adventure partner. <laughs> travel, travel partner. Travel partner. That's right. Anything, shopping partner, mm-hmm. carpool partner, parenting partner, <laughs> yeah, discipline partner, <laughs> enforcer. Yes, all the above. And today I thought we were having a conversation in our kitchen, and I thought, gosh, this is something that I hope that our listeners can learn how to process and how we process our own life. Because just because you are a leader or you run something, maybe you're a forward thought forward thought, I don't know how to say that, forward, forward thinking, thinker. thank you, and you write your own, you know, you're an author. Or I was thinking of just even, you know, you're an adult, right? Like you're, right. you're 35, you're 40, you're 50, you think like, I should, you know, know how to do this or that or whatever you think. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. And I am always amazed that when we start talking through things, I love, I love our process and we always have to just talk it through. And I think that's part of the the secret to working together, living together, being married, is you have to talk, you have to communicate, and you can't assume that you know why someone wants to do something or that you think that they should want this certain thing, but you really have to just be willing to let the other person share their thoughts without judgment and letting them kind of process. So um, today, you know, we're in a unique season, I think, as the Cunnington family. We are celebrating, how long have we been doing Truth to Table full-time? About a year and a half. About a year and a half. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Yeah. Year wow. and a half. And we're kind of in this season where we're no longer in this survival. We got to start fresh. We've got, um, you know, we're op- opening new offices and we're hiring new people. And we're kind of in this place where we're beginning to establish who we are. And um, with that comes a great, a, bit, a great deal of responsibility. And some mm-hmm. of the stuff we're weighing out right now is how do we move forward instead of... Um, feeling, um, well, I'll just put it this way. I have, I've been struggling with knowing what is wisdom and what is fear. And that's Mm -hmm. something that I am really processing because, um, I don't know if you are an Enneagram fan. I'm, we are Enneagram fans. I don't know, uh, if you, I'm sorry if that is a total turnoff for you, but for us, it's been really critical in our marriage and learning about each other and we love it. We have all the books. And ourselves. And ourselves. Yeah. yeah, and learning to um, not partner with weakness, but being willing to see our own restraints and learning how to love someone. I feel like it's given us empathy, mm-hmm. probably towards each other. For sure. Yeah. 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 A lot. A lot of empathy. And so we are in this place now where um, after learning about ourselves, I'm realizing I'm a, I'm a seven, wing eight, if you're wondering what I am, and you are... I'm a one wing nine. Yeah. Yep. We're like the opposites. It is true. However, yeah, when I'm doing really, really good and I'm healthy, I actually move, like would move more towards a seven and have more, you know, kind of uh, spontaneity and, and like be willing and I'm always up for things. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, when we first started doing the Enneagram, I was like, that looks like a satanic star. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's... And somebody even recommended at one point, like years ago. And I was like, yeah, no, that's very confusing. I don't know what you're talking about. And it wasn't until we hit a real roadblock in our lives where we had some people counseling us and they 
um, just began to talk about the Enneagram and the, the power of self-awareness, knowing who we are. And the Enneagram, if you don't know what it is, and I'm not the one to really share all of it, but if you, uh, you can, there's a, there's a podcast, The Road Back to You. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. Typology. Yeah, yeah there's uh, some great books on it on all kinds of different, um, you know, from different Christian authors. It's not, it's not actually a uh, super, you know, it's not, it's more psychology. Yeah, like Jesus didn't talk about the Enneagram. Exactly. Right. What was Jesus' Enneagram type? Right, right. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a ton of resources on it. Books, podcasts. Yeah, Road Back to You. Typology is a great one. Yeah, there's all kinds. And you can do your own research, but you can, easy, you can take like a free test online and figure out what you are. But all that to say, bringing it back, is that I'm a seven, which is I'm an enthusiast. Um, and when I'm not doing well, I have a tendency to veer to a one. And the one is the perfectionist. Well, Ben lives as a one, so he's a perfectionist, and when he's doing well, he swings to the seven. So, it, so wait, so say that again. You said when you're not doing well, right. you go towards a one, which is perfectionism, the, kind of more the negative or unhealthy sides, right. sides of a of a perfectionist. Because each personality, what I love is that they talk about that you kind of live in a certain space, and when you are healthy, you swing to another number, and when you are not doing well, you swing to another number, and that's kind of your compulsive side kind of the person you were growing up and what you needed and just functioned. And then the healthy side is that partnering with the Holy Spirit, I would say, mm -hmm. to become the best version of who God created you to be on the earth. Yeah. So anyway, when I'm not doing well and I'm in my compulsive self, I swing to a one, which is a perfectionist. That means I have a tendency to stall out and think I want it just right so that I don't do anything. Mm -hmm. Totally. Right? And when you're not doing well, what do you swing to? I think a four, mm -hmm. which is like I kind of get to the shoulda, woulda, coulda, romantic, romanticized, like idea, super idealistic, mm -hmm. you know, of like, oh, I, you know, missed it completely. You know, cause, yeah, they, <laughs> my whole life. My perfection is like kind of the basic need or the core need is to be good and to, um, yeah, to not make mistakes, basically. I have a hard time making mistakes. And so, yeah, I kind of then veer towards the, um, oh man, you know, I should have done this or, you know, idealistic. Yeah. Of, kind of I, I always say that if the, if the Holy Spirit left the Cunnington house, we would never know because Ben Cunnington lives here. I mean, he just monitors what we do and, <laughs> and I'm that seven where I am. I think my, my biggest core fear is being constrained by emotional pain. Yeah. Being right? trapped. Being trapped in emotional pain mm -hmm. and then also being limited uh, having limited options, having limited funds, having limited, you know, whatever it is. And so that's been um, really eye-opening to me. In fact, um, there's there's three different areas of um, where we kind of veer towards. And Ben's, I think, veers towards shame, but mine veers towards fear. So I've really had this kind of awakening in my heart to realize that a lot of the hesitations that I have is not grounded in wisdom. It's not grounded in... Um, you know, well, what I'm just being safe, but it's really grounded in a core fear that I'm going to go without. I'm going to mm. be deprived. I am, someone's going to hurt me and I'm going to get stuck in it. And that's been really, it's been hard for me to admit because I don't come across as a fearful person. And I wouldn't even say that I am a fearful person. In fact, I'm a, I'm a risk taker. I I'm kind of up for anything, but when I am not doing well, my world gets really small. It's like all of a sudden, I don't want to do, I, I, like if somebody wants me to do something, I don't want to do it. 
I'm like, no, you're not going to control me. That's kind of how I start feeling. And, you know, if we can't spend money on something, then I'm like, well, what's the problem? We're both working. And I start to kind of have this resistance. <laughs> and I realize that that is fear-based. It's not wisdom. It's a, it's a compulsive side of me that is kind of that rebellious, strong-willed girl that says like, no, I'm going to do what I want to do and no one's going to stop me. But that's not really the, the essence of it. The essence is that I'm a little girl who's afraid that I'm not going to get my needs met or that I'm going to get stuck in a painful season. And so I've had to really, oh, I've had to really do some work internally. And so some of the things I've been doing recently is uh, when I start to kind of spiral mentally, I have to ask myself, Havala, what are you afraid of? Mm. Like, what are you afraid of? What, why are you uh, feeling so compulsive about this or even impulsive about your feelings or maybe even trapped in a cycle mentally and really asking myself and, and what it will sound like in our marriage is I'll say, well, you know, I was just thinking and we just need to be careful. And I just, and all of a sudden I kind of start to cycle and spiral. And so I, I feel that in this season, as we're beginning to make new, bigger decisions in our life, I'm, I'm hitting that boundary that almost uh, constraint. I'm feeling, you know how like you've ever been pulled back where you're like attached to something and you you run and then you get pulled back? I feel like that's what fear does to me is I start to run ahead and then as I'm getting momentum, fear like yanks me back and pulls me back into that space. Hmm. And so I'm realizing that that's what's happening internally and I'm I'm aware of it now, which is half the battle, but then the other half is how do I get out of that? I don't know. What about you? That's a good question. No, I think that's good. Um, you know, and I've seen you very much um, in tune with that and, and trying to really be aware of what's going on inside and what, you know, what's causing this feeling, and which I think is, you know, I will say, I mean, just an observation, though, like you're seven, you know, like the fun, natured, spontaneous, like up for anything, like risk taker is true, you know, and then... Um, and those are all like the positive things, you know, where you're like, let's do this, let's do this, you know, we could do this, <laughs> you know, but then the flip side is sometimes I think even that kind of fear or the, um, the kind of feeling trapped mm -hmm. comes down the road, like after we've kind of started moving towards something or, yeah. or made a decision, and then it's not as kind of shiny and fun and exciting anymore, because <laughs> we're like in it and, oh, we're having to work for it and it's going to take more time than we thought and now I'm bored and I don't want to do this anymore. Um, so I think it's... No, I that's, don't. You don't know what you're talking about. But I think like that's the, um, you know, that's probably part of it too. I think some of your kind of feeling trapped, right? Is like, because you, you're very good at um, kind of the intuition thing and, and side of things of like, hey, let's do this or hey, this is the thing we should do next or this is the, you're a great starter. I'm a great starter. And a great, you know, have the, have the vision to kind of see what's next or what's coming. And so I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why we are a great compliment because I don't think that way all the time. You know, I'm more of a... So anyways, I think... You're for, a maintainer, but you're also a problem solver. So I think in your head, you're like, okay, because oftentimes I'll say to you, okay, this is what I want to do. And you'll go, yeah, that's not possible, but let me do some research. And then you'll go and do some research and you'll come back and you'll have the solution. 
It's, it's true, right? Yeah. So it's Although always, you're always my a no. First, my your first reaction, reaction is always like that was usually you, yes. And it was really hard for me to get used to was that every time I would bring something to you, you would be like, yeah, because no. I'm like Johnny Raincloud, right? right? Little, like, not always, but I think your hesitancy is you don't want to overpromise. You'd rather like under under promise and over deliver for sure than the opposite, where I'm like over promise, sell anything, <laughs> and then be like, I don't know how we're gonna do that. Um, that's true. Yeah, and I think we yeah we probably both have. There's probably a happy medium, right, where we we swing that pendulum just to where, we, you know, I, I probably need to flex a bit more and not, you know, be so quick to, you know, shoot things down on the first hearing. Because I think I've, you know, I'm try, I've tried to learn what, like, not just because you say something doesn't mean we're going to do it, you know, or just because you have an idea or because, like, you think we should do, you know, but, like, being open, which I think you said, you know, like, earlier, you know, just being open and letting each of us, you know, really um, communicate, you know, and not shut each other down. But like, okay, this either this is what I'm feeling, right. this is what I'm thinking, this is an idea. It doesn't have. It's not literal. I think that I'm a very literal person. Yes. So yeah, I, I mean, you immediately my... give me feedback of of uh, well, that's how that's not going to work. And I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. well, we're just in the planning. I'm not even sure what I'm fully asking yet. Right. And you're already giving me the that's reasons. Here's the three reasons why that probably will not work. <laughs> and I have to be like, here's the re- here's the reason why that's a stupid and, idea. Yeah. And then I'm like, I oh, wait. you're mean. I don't like you. <laughs> then I go that's call true. my mom. <laughs> hmm. That's true. No, I think. No, we're just kidding. Um, kind of. Yeah. No, I think we've I think we've grown, right? Yeah, for sure. Or I've grown. We both have. A bit. I, I think Sorry, I was that very wasn't saying you haven't grown. No, but I think I was more impulsive. And now, you know, back in the day in the when we had the recession and we had just gotten married, my sister was a real estate agent and she was saying, You gotta buy a house. It's the time. We're gonna have prices are gonna be the San Francisco mm-hmm. uh yeah, you're pricing. never gonna be able to afford a house. You're never gonna get in the housing market. And you we had just gotten married and you said no, let's just wait. I don't think we should do anything. And that I remember that was kind of our first big no in marriage where mm-hmm. you know you say two yeses in a, in a marriage makes a yes. Mm-hmm. And so if one of you has a yes and one of you has a no, then it's a no until you both get a yes. And that was really hard for me. And I remember us having discussions about it and me just having to kind of not submit, but just surrender to the idea that I need you to be on board for us to go forward. And then the whole market crashed and everybody we knew lost their homes and lost income and went bankrupt and we were safe. And that was the first season that I really began to trust the knowing you. Like, oh, okay, this is a really big deal. Um, And we've really done that all along. I, I think that that's been really critical. We have stayed out of debt. We've stayed out of financial stuff because we're both hard workers. We like to work and we like to contribute. We believe in and everyone working, if you can, mm-hmm. uh, we believe in the contribution of your life and that it's biblical to work hard. It's biblical. Uh, the Bible's really clear about that, that having a job is biblical. We need to be working. We need to be working hard. We need to be getting, sowing our seed and reaping our harvest. And I mean, the, the Bible's really clear about what happens to the lazy man and to look at the ant and see how work how they work. So we've always done that, but we also haven't been impulsive in how we buy and purchase. We've always paid for things that we can afford. And now we're at the stage where we need to expand our life. And this is kind of what I wanted to talk about. You know, we're looking at a piece of land. We're looking about possibly developing that land and building that land. 
are building a house on that land. And we've never been here before. And it's just, it's bringing up a bunch of things. And, and you go, why don't you just buy a house? And I just want you to understand a little bit about the Redding market and why this is appealing. Because currently, if you know anything about Redding, California, you would know that we hit a massive, um, well, almost like a, uh, I want to say tragedy, but we had a huge fire mm -hmm. that took a lot of our homes away. It took a lot of people's rental homes away. And so the market in Reading has been really affected by that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's affected for sure. Yeah, it was the car fire last year. You know, it was like all over the national news, even international. Even I mean, international. It was, yeah, I mean, people all over the, you know, California fires. It was intense. Yeah, thousand, so thousand homes lost. You know, people affected. So yeah, and so we lost all that, and so we wanted to buy a home, but it feels as if a lot of the homes that were great and affordable have been taken. They've been swallowed up by those that needed homes immediately and had the insurance money to do it. And, and so this, we live in a smaller town. I mean, we live in a small town. There's a not a 000, huge hundred thousand people here. So yeah, it's not like there's just loads and loads of houses available. And there's not a lot to do in Reading. So it's not like, oh, I'll just get a small house and then play. It's there's people here have land. That's what they do. We're in the northern part. There's not a mall to walk, really. There's not places to go on the river. I mean, there's a few little places, but ultimately you want a piece of land with a pool mm -hmm. and you need to be able to have people over to your home. Like we don't eat out very much. Uh, we might grab something on the go, uh, something healthy. But in general, I cook every night. Uh, we, when we have friends, we hang out with friends. They come over to our home. That's how we do life in Reading because there's really nowhere to go other than a park or yeah, a lake. It's a very outdoorsy place. Mm -hmm. So the lake, yeah. And but yeah, when it's when it's 115 in the summer, <laughs> and that's really the truth. It is hard to be outside. And then also having family that lives outside of town, the idea of having them come and actually be able to stay in our home. And right now we have a three bedroom home. And so every time someone comes to stay with us. And how many children do we have? And we have a lot of children, four yeah. children and a dog. True. We have to move two kids out, put all four boys in one room, put the twin beds together, make that a king bed. It's just a little dramatic. And for our lives, we don't mind doing it for the sacrifice of having family, but it would be really nice to have a room that my mom and dad could come and just stay or my sister and brother-in-law or Ben's mom and dad friends from out of town could just come and stay with us. And, you know, we want to put our roots deeper into Reading and into Bethel. We want our roots to go deeper. We love them. They're our family. They're our home church. And so we want to do that. And that requires us making decisions that keep us here. And it, you don't trust me. If you don't have a pool and you don't have space, your time here is, you're, you don't enjoy being here. Mm -hmm. No, I think that that's important. I think we've realized, yeah, our kids are only getting bigger as well. So, you know, and we have a dog. And so having space for boys, if anybody has boys out there who are between like five and 12 years old, there's a lot of energy. And, you know, a I think back to energy. when I was a boy, you know, like I'm running all over the neighborhood. But, you know, the, the spot we're in right now, we just we don't have a lot of space for them to safely run around. Mm -hmm and um, play and yeah in the summertime you know um, being able to swim without having to go all the way to the lake you know again it's like first world problems but um, you know I think for our family you know we're just really seeing like we do want to put roots down and kind of go to the next phase of you know kind of building our, our for the future you yeah. know with the family yeah so well so basically we're looking at a piece of land and we're currently looking at developing that land. And mm -hmm. so that means that a lot of things are coming our way, like site development and perk tests and 
Yeah, it has um, no it has no utilities. So it has we no have to utilities. put in all the water and power and sewer and all that stuff. And the so. appealing part to this land is that our friends are going to be next door to us, mm-hmm. and probably on both sides of the land, we will have friends. And so that's another thing that's been really appealing to us is that idea that we would actually be able to have our kids around other kids and more of a support system and be a support system to them, but understand that that's something we have to kind of shape around our family. And so we're just weighing that out and I, I'm dealing with fear. I'm dealing with the idea, are we going to go into a recession as an economy? Uh, you know, the last Friday, the stock market had a sign that there was going to be um, you know, recession and, and, uh, you know, we, I've just, we've lived very conservatively. And so just knowing like, okay, Lord, we need wisdom. And this is what I want to talk about because it's easy to go through all the like pros and cons, write a list, pros and cons, but only the Lord knows what we need to do. And mm-hmm. I think about my parents, they purchased a lot of land years ago and they were going to build and the, the, um, architect couldn't get it together. It was like something was how a family member died and they couldn't get the plans drawn and took, and a year and a half later, they realized we need to sell this land and they sold it and they made a huge profit that allowed them to buy the house that they're in. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, some of the processes that we go and and I was telling uh, my mom and dad this a couple days ago, I said, you know, we're at the stage in this decision right now where we are moving forward, but we are holding it lightly. Meaning that if God wants to change directions or something was to shift, my world wouldn't be devastated and I'm not trying to make it happen. And that's where I think we get into trouble is when we start to man, uh, manipulate what's how to make something happen to where all of a sudden we're not sure if God's leading us or we're just in our own kind of uh, will. I'm going to will this into being. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice all I need to. We're going to make this happen. And so that that part of it where we're in flow, we're in flux with God. Okay, God, we're open. We're, we're knocking on the door. You've got to lead us. We don't have wisdom. We On our own, we can blow up our lives, but we need your help. And we need to know that, and, and we need you to know that if you were to close the door, we'll surrender to that door. That we're not getting, we're not attaching our identity to this land. We're not attaching our future to this home. We are in flux. God, we want, we want, we're not going to bat on a fear. We're not going to stop because we're afraid it's not going to work out, but we're also not going to push and make something happen. Hey guys, Havilik here. I'm sorry to interrupt the podcast, but I just want to make sure that you know how important it is that if you love this podcast, make sure you write a little review and give us some stars. I don't know if you know this, but I actually read every single review and it just means so much to me, but also, and I hear people say this, but I didn't understand it until I did my own podcast. The only way for other people to find this podcast is from you. We don't, you don't pay for marketing. You can't get yourself up on a certain, you know, chart for people to see it. It's gotta be you sharing it, reviewing it, starring it for other people to see it. So what's the best way for you to share it besides leaving a review and stars? Take a picture of a screenshot of you listening to this podcast and tag us. Let us know. Like it's really simple. Just as you're listening to it, just screenshot it and put it on the social, uh, on the socials, whether it's Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, whatever it is, and just tag me. Let me know. And 
it not only like makes our day because it really does you have no idea it's it's like oh yay this is people are listening to this but it also lets other people know what you like and what you're interested in so if you'll do that that would mean so much to to me uh you'll get to heaven faster <laughs> just kidding i'm totally kidding but that would mean a lot all right back to the show see you at the end And this is what I wanted to bring you guys in on with this podcast is just understanding that we, even as adults and life and ministry, we have to do this every single time. It's not just, oh, the money's there. So when you have a certain amount of money, you're never going to have to make a decision like this again. Or, you know, when you have the opportunities, then you'll just move forward. No, every single moment, you know, the more you have, the more is at risk. You know, we have currently, we now have a staff. We now have salaries. We now have families that are dependent upon the decisions that we make. Now, God will take care of them. I'm not responsible to take care of them. God will do that. But what I am responsible for is that the decisions that I make are going to affect our future, the future of our family, our boys, as well as the future of them. And so there's a bigger weight. You know, I was thinking about what our budget is a month for Truth to Table. I, I think it's 100000 dollars a month is what we need to bring in every month. And that's a, that's a, I mean, you have to understand that's a long ways off the way we were six, seven years ago to paying a small mortgage and being on staff at a church to now having a staff reaching thousands of people around the world, giving resources to people all over the producing. I mean, Leap into Love was thousands. I mean, it was probably a $20,000 uh, gift to the world that we did not get paid for. That wasn't like we paid for the the video recordings, the streaming, um, you know, the recording of our 20 videos, the, the landing pages, all of that was all a gift. We invested in the world around us to see people get free and to have the Bible available to them. So we do things consistently to help resource, but we have to be in faith for that. That's not, well, one plus one equals two, and that's how it is. We are in faith, just as you are with your life, We are in faith that God's going to show up as we obediently do what he's called us to do. We're going to continue to see the world changed by what we do. But just because you have more doesn't mean there's more freedom. When you have more, sometimes there's more stress. There's more things coming at you. So I'm not saying that to blow your mind. I'm just wanting you to understand that, that what you see maybe online or on the social media or what you see is the positive part of it, but there's also an underbelly to it, which is we've got to figure out how to do our life in the way that God wants us to so we can continue to grow and have uh, to be in step with Him. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. That's well said. You know, I think we're also looking at other, other decisions for things that we feel we're supposed to do with Truth the Table in the future yeah. and, and doing um, events and other special projects. Well, just, and re- just the app. Yeah, we we want to you know we need really need you know so many people have asked us do you have an, a mobile app like this would be so amazing and it'd be such a better way to engage with with the content and the videos so like that whole thing is yeah and just like for the listeners because they don't understand what that even looks like but how much would it be to just get a regular app that would work for who we are for what we're doing and yeah kind of like what we have with all the materials and resources that we currently have to be able to kind of input that into an app experience. Yeah, really would require require about $100,000 to invest to where it's a really, really great quality, dependable, stable, you know, um, experience. 
And so, yeah, it's just, you know, a lot of what we do is, you know, most of what we do requires technology and software and development. And like an ever-changing. Which is, so yeah, it's, it's always evolving and changing. And so we have to keep up on, you know, like our site was hacked yesterday, yeah. <laughs> one of our sites. Yeah. So we're working on getting that fixed and getting the security things checked and, and like secure. And, um, you know, so just there's a, there's a lot um, of kind of moving pieces and so I think that we're, you know, again, we're wanting to have that responsibility. We feel the weight of the responsibility to, um, but also have the, the simultaneous faith to believe for um, what God wants to do in the year and years ahead. Mm-hmm. And so I think trying to, to really move into that faith, but not blindly in mm-hmm. a way that's, you know, that's, that's wise and that is, you know, seeking counsel and that's also just... Um, yeah, making sure that we're not, um, you know, being, you know, oblivious right. or, or like kind of just blindly, you know, leaping into. We also feel that there's a stewardship to ministry. So we're not just business owners. We're not just out there, you know, oh, we're just going to be business owners. It's no big deal. But we really believe that the income that we have and the title of being a minister requires accountability and stewardship. And mm-hmm. I, I really do believe that. Uh, God, not only do we have a double blessing, the Bible says those that preach the word, but we also are held to a higher standard in how we live our lives. And so the income isn't just, you know, oh, it's just income. No, no, these are people that are investing in their spiritual life. And we want to see that income turned around to not make our lives bigger, but to make the world bigger by by getting the word of God available to, to as many people as possible. You know, tomorrow I leave on a trip to Brazil. I'll be in Brazil for the week. And I'll be teaching at a women's conference and men's conference. We'll go back this summer to Brazil for a three-week tour. And all of that requires income. It all requires us to be able to produce things. We just did uh, Stronger Than the Struggles in Portuguese. Um, I think there's a Radical, no- Radical is. Growth is in Portuguese. They're hoping to take um, the prophetic personality courses and put those, transcribe those into Portuguese. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, there's so much that we want to do. And, and we're only a year and a half old. It's true. We're not old. We're not old. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that is for us, we're trying to decipher, you know, we've been sacrificing for a long time. You have to understand what you see is a girl that was 18 traveling and ministering and doing this for the last 22 years. So what you're seeing is, okay, you guys want to build a house? Like, I don't understand, but you have to understand that we work full time. There are two incomes and we work consistently and what we get at the ministry we get a salary. We are not absorbing that money as if it's going into our bank account. Ben and I both work salary, and we you, the rest of the income that we bring in, which is uh, probably significantly more than we make, we go goes back into the ministry. That's how we do it. When I travel, all my honorariums go back into the ministry. I take a salary, and it doesn't matter how much I travel or how many people I reach or what we sell at the book table. It doesn't matter. All of that goes back into the ministry to equip the saints, to equip the saints for the work in the ministry. So that's really important. That's been a core value for who we are. We keep it really lean and mean. We don't have a massive staff. There's about five people in the office, Mm -hmm. and we reach... You have to understand, we reach about 25,000 people a month. We reach in, in tangible ways. We resource in tangible ways. And God God does it. We keep, I mean, our, our desks at our office are IKEA desks. This isn't like we are you know, making it fancy. We're keeping it as simple as we can. But a lot of the money we spend has to do with equipment and online. And those things are not, they're not cheap. 
Mm-hmm. They're not cheap. That's true. And they're always changing. And so if you spend a certain amount, the next year you're going to spend the same amount to keep it going. And so, uh, you know, some of our membership is, it's awesome. We have some members, but a lot of the income that we make from that goes to just simply resourcing those members, mm-hmm. having the staff, creating the the, the content, yeah. all of that gets goes to resource. So all that to say, I feel like we're just kind of hitting a bunch of different things, but I just want you to hear, um, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. But I do have to admit, when I start to feel afraid, that fear is not going to lead me, and I'm not going to allow it to lead me. And that's and, and that's, um, that's me humbling myself and saying, okay, God, you are the only one that knows how to do this. I can plan my steps, the Bible says, but you are the only one who's going to order them. And I want you, I want you to do that. I was going to read something. Maybe you want to share something, and I'm going to grab that book. Yeah, I, I even, you know, just yesterday, you know, at church, Bill Johnson said something. I think it was a quote by Larry Randolph, but he said, God is responsible f- to fulfill, you know, and, and will fulfill his promises, but he's not responsible to fulfill our potential. And so the, he was talking about the, like, God promises something, but then he also is waiting for us to make a move. You know, he's waiting for us to respond and actually, um, you know, that's the part that God is not, I you know, going to override, right? He's not going to just drop things. You know, sometimes he does. He does miraculous things that drop in our lap and just happen like we would could never imagine it. But most of the time, I would say his promises fulfilled are actually us partnering with in faith to move towards that promise. And, you know, yeah, there's things along the way that are in that process from from, you know, to build up, you know, like in this case, you know, like in ours specifically, I can see different seasons where we're moving into, okay, a little bit more, like, okay, capacity expanded. Yep. Okay, can can he trust us with this? Um, you know, and looking from like whether stewardship. it's... Yeah, stewardship, but also it's, yeah, so now it's like we're kind of in this little, you know, and even just, yeah, haven't, you know, we hired, had to hire two more people and, you know, I wasn't, feeling that a little bit like, okay, is this going to work? Like, are we going to be able to do this? And that kind of in between of I'm, I have faith for mm-hmm. it, but I'm also like, there's uncertainty, right. you know, about the future. And so just, it's a, it's a good tension. It's a good tension, which kind of leads me. I was been reading out of Proverbs every morning this month and Proverbs 20 in the message. I just loved this verse. I sent it to a couple of people that I know that are in this season But it says, it is the Lord who directs your life. This is verse 24. For each step you take is ordained by God to bring you closer to your destiny. So much of life then remains a mystery. Mm. And I think that's the tension is, okay, God, I know you're ordaining and directing my life. I know that I'm getting closer to my destiny, but that how that works and what that looks like is a mystery. And that's where we, we live lives of faith. So when you start feeling like, I don't know what's next, and I don't know where I'm going, exactly, that's called a life of faith. That's called saying, I trust in the person who's carrying me into the future. I trust him that where I go, he will be there. So I don't know where I'm going, but I trust that if if I'm going to be there, he's going to be there. I'm not going to be alone in this. And you know, I, I'll say just uh, practically, you know, yeah, it is a mystery. I don't like that. I don't like that life in God is a mystery. I, I want everything to add up. I want him to show me, here's what it's going to look like at the end. And then I'm like, oh, I'll give you my faith for that. Gosh, I can believe for that. True. But the mystery is what keeps us humble. It keeps us dependent. It, it requires us to stay in relationship with him, 
to say, okay, I don't know what you're doing, so I need to kind of stay close to you to hear you in the middle of a busy life. And so for me, I would say um, today, uh, I don't know what we will do with the land. I don't know what, what the, when the app will be produced. We don't have that money currently to do the app. Um, if we, we, we will save, we continue to save, we'll have to save for another year to do that at least. Uh, but what I do know is, is that I am leaning in. I'm listening for the Holy Spirit. And every door that we begin to knock on, I'm going to knock on doors. That's my responsibility, not to wait for doors to open, but to knock on doors and to step through. And God's responsibility is to close doors. And so when I feel the door close, or we Ben and I know the door closes, then we will respond in faith to that door closing. Uh, and if we feel disappointment, then that's what it is. But I'd rather be disappointed today than have regret tomorrow. Mm. And that's how I, how I really feel. I'd rather, I'd rather steward disappointment than steward regret. Because stewarding great. regret is exhausting and painful and, you know, you live with it. Mm-hmm. And so disappointment lasts like a moment, but mm-hmm. regret lasts a lifetime. So if I could just, I think for many of you that are in a decision-making mode, whether it's going to school or whether it's moving here or taking this job or whether you're leading a church and you're trying to figure out, okay, what's next? I would say, walk through the doors, knock on the doors. Don't be afraid, step out, but just let, just stay close to him in mm-hmm. the middle of it because he'll, ta- he'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. He'll protect you. That's part of the Holy Spirit's job is to counsel us and to comfort us and to lead us. So let him be God in the middle of your process. Yeah, I think the, um, you know, I think moving towards decisions and moving um, in, you know, staying close. And I think what you said about staying, you know, like open-handed, you know, and being um, fully surrendered to, okay, this is where I'm moving. This is where, you know, I believe, you know, and I think this way, sometimes we're so easy. I think we easily overthink things. Um, because we think, you know, we need like five confirmations yeah. from God, you know, and, and this or that. Um, but I think that at the end of the day, if our heart's positioned to do his will, to hear his voice and to obey, then he's not going to hide himself. Mm-hmm. He's not going to like, you know, <laughs> lead us to the end of a cliff and then be like, ha ha, tricked you. You know, like what? I thought I was, listen, you know, my heart was to do that your will. But, you know, and then the other side is that keeping an open hand. You know, I think, again, the more we can keep and protect our hearts from, you know, like in the disappointment or in the like, oh, I thought it was going to be different or I thought I was doing the right thing. And then it changes or out of nowhere, something shifts and it's like, this is not what I expected. You know, the more that we can really, um, I think, guard our hearts from offense and guard our hearts from just, you know, hardness. Um, that's important. It is. I, I was preaching Sunday at a church in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I was saying offense makes our world small. And so the more I can actually let go of the idea, the more my world gets bigger. So if I start saying, okay, those are my only worship pastors and they walked out the door. Mm. Okay, that was my only opportunity and they didn't give that to me. Oh, that was the only networking friend that I had that would connect me to that and saying, no, 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 that's a lie. The enemy wants us to believe our world is small and that we only have one way to go and that's it. And God wants you to know that nothing can withhold his purpose and plan for your life if you want that. Mm -hmm. And so it may look like a totally different avenue. It may look like, a different church. It may even seem as if you're going the opposite direction, but if it is his will, 
he'll make a way. And I think it's really important, really important that we set our hearts to make mid-course corrections without being offended, but being willing to say, I, I had an idea, but this is the mystery of God. This mm. is the mystery of who he is. And this reminds me that I am not leading the boat. I'm not leading the train. I am following Christ. I'm following his leading. And it reminds us that we're not in charge. And sometimes I think some of the disappointments in life reminds us that God has a different plan. His ways are higher, right? Yeah. His purpose mm -hmm. is greater. And so understanding that it left to our own devices, we would just kind of orchestrate everything and try to figure it all out. But only God, only God can do things we don't even know that are ahead of us. It's true. He doesn't. We have no idea what's ahead of us, and that is and the walk of faith. The also the when we really, if we truly, truly believe that God is good in everything He does and everything He doesn't do, you know, and and whether He withholds or whether He's saying wait or whether He, um, you know, whatever the outcome, like really believing that it is God has our best interest in mind um, through every decision and every outcome. Yeah, the motives. Mm -hmm. It always comes back to God's motives, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Because if we're really going to follow him and we think his motives are off or he's miss, he's like ignoring us or he's going to miss something, we, we panic. But True. when we know his motives are good mm -hmm. and that he is not going to hide himself from us, that's when we get to be kind of at a place of peace. Totally. So even that's with good. where we are today, Lord, we... And I want to pray for you. If you're listening to this today and you're in a season of decision or maybe a season of winter, or you're trying to figure something out, I want to pray that you hear God, that God comes in and he shows you and that you, would, you wouldn't be restless. You wouldn't, you wouldn't make impulsive decisions. You wouldn't change things just because you want to see movement in your life, but that you would, you would rest in the ever-present loving arms of Jesus Christ, and you would trust that he's got you. He's got you. So Holy Spirit, I pray for every man and woman listening to this. Lord, we know that our lives are in your hands and we have nothing to be afraid of. That even if we make a wrong turn, you're going to help us. But Lord, I also know that you require surrender. You require you being the leader of our lives. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would allow us to surrender our hearts. Lord, you know what's up ahead of us. We do not, we do not know. We confess that there are mysteries that we can either be offended at or we can have faith in. And today we choose a life of faith. We choose to trust you. And Lord, we thank you that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You will never let us go. And that we can trust you that we are not going to miss a thing when we are with you. And we thank you that you can make all things new. Even when things seem at their darkest, you have the power to make beauty from ashes. And we thank you for your miracle working power. So I pray for everyone here that even today, a spirit of peace would rest over them like a cloak of peace would come around them to quiet, shh, quiet their minds, quiet their hearts, quiet their planning, that they would begin to take a minute to say, God, I am yours. There is no fear. There is no striving in you. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 That's good. I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening, babe. I love you. I love you. What'd you say? I said, I love What'd you. What'd you say? I, said, <laughs> <laughs> I love you and I, when, I don't care who knows it. That's right. When your spouse says, I love you or I'm sorry, make them repeat it twice. Yeah, I'm sorry. What was, what, what was that? You said you're sorry? Or I, you were right. That's yeah. the other one, right? Yeah, that's another one. That's what really did you say? What'd you oh, say? I'm right. Okay. I'm right. I didn't, I didn't know if I that. 
Anyway, I love you guys. Hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening. Always honored to have a few minutes of your time. And uh, I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.